big day. I, I do want to say a couple things. Uh, we call this, uh, we actually call this Vision Minute. Um, I want to say a couple things about what's going on here. One, I don't like to just, if, if things are going poorly financially, I don't like to just stand up here and say it. Uh, I like to say it when things are going really well, like when you guys are digging in, in, in your faith. Like uh, we've already, it's not even, I don't know, what's today, 24th or something like that? It's not even the end of the month, and we've already had uh, 28 giving units. Come on, lift that up. Like that's, I know sometimes we're like, oh, okay, maybe that wasn't, but look, this, this is your faith. This is directly tied to the faith of City Life Church. And, and by the third week, I guess that's the third week out of the best. Uh, by the third week, we have 28 people. I mean, we, don't, we don't have hundreds of people here. So just so you know, that's a fantastic percentage of people that are going, I have faith that Jesus loves me. I have faith that I'm going to give to him, and he's going to love me back. I'm going to serve his kingdom in this way, and he's going to make, make sure there's a roof over my head and meat. Uh, or, or bread or rice on the table. He's going to make sure that this happens, right? I love that, uh, and I wanted to just commend that because that's just fantastic. Uh, we made it to Mark 2. Woo! Maybe that's why I'm tired. Um, we were going to do, like, T-shirt cannons. <laughs> uh, Pedro and Ryan were going to roll out here in their rippling muscles that maybe they had at one point in their life, but they don't have anymore. They were going to roll out here, and they were just going to... And we were going to celebrate, but Ryan is in Colombia. One of our peeps, actually two of our peeps, got married, Valeria uh, and, and, and Connor got married. Our people are all over the world. They got married. They took like half of our team this morning. Uh, we're all very happy that they're in Colombia with like 80 degree weather wearing shorts. We're happy for them. We are. Uh, so that's where Ryan is. Good for him. Uh, the rest of us are here. Uh, and, and so he can't do the t-shirt cannon, and Pedro's like, I don't do t-shirt cannons. And so here we are, no t-shirt cannons, but we are still in Mark 2, which I think is fantastic. Um, we, we are saying here that we are an old school church, actually a, a, a new school church with old school methods. Okay, so an old school church, a new school church with old school methodology. Uh, and what that means is we really dive into the old school stuff that's not really attractive to the Christian subculture, but it is we feel a way to connect our heart to the heart of God, which is why we're here. Uh, it's to connect us to each other, which is why we're here. And so we do things like bring paper Bibles. And today, we hope you, bring, you brought your paper Bible. If you didn't, bring it next week. Uh, we flip through it, and we turn our hearts simultaneously as we flip through our Bibles. We do things like praying before service. So you're always welcome, 9.45 a.m., to jump into that. You don't have to bring anything but yourself uh, and just pray with us during the service. Actually, next week, we're starting what's called a prayer corner up here. For the first three rows, we'll have a curtain also where you can take communion, and after service, there'll be people there to pray with you for those three rows. We're going to do that for six months until you finally give in and it catches on because we do believe that there is something going on in this room that you want to respond, you want prayer, and so we want to give you a spot to do that. Uh, if you don't know, we're, we're uh, almost three weeks into fasting and prayer together. We're, uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're on the third week coming up this week. So we're, we're doing this because we care about the old school holy things. We don't care about just having a new school vibe and being trendy. We care about the old school things because we have anticipation that God moves and that God is going to show up. Uh, we're doing things like baptism today, just so you know. We do things like living like family. All, all these things are important to us. Again, not attractive to the greater subculture, but attractive to us because we just want to chase after the heart of God. One last thing that we typically do or, or have started to do is we stand during uh, the, the reading of the scripture. I don't want to do that today. Because it's a long scripture, and I don't, I don't want you thinking like about your hammies the whole time. 
I want you to think about Jesus. And so we're going to do that, but we will do this thing uh, where it's kind of a repeat after me prayer. All right? Just try this with me. You don't have to repeat loudly. You just, just say it quietly. You can even whisper it. Uh, but this is just kind of us centering our hearts on Jesus this morning. All right? So close your eyes with me and just repeat after me. Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. I fix my heart on you. I surrender the anxieties of today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Your burden is light. Your yoke is easy. I love your word. And I love this moment with you. Amen. All right, let's go. We're in Mark 2, verse 1. Hopefully our hearts are centered on him. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic uh, carried by four men. Okay? And, and Tony, I'm just going to have you take over. I'm never good at this. Okay? It's just, I always try it, and then I'm, I'm just terrible. I, I repent in front of the entire crowd of people. All right? And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and they made an opening. They laid down on the bed, uh, and then, uh, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Okay? So a lot of folks get fixated on this moment uh, where, where they do this kind of amazing grunt work. Uh, they think that they throw this, like, baptism, uh, this, uh, I'm sorry, not baptism, uh, but this Batman disc up on, on the ceiling, and then they get up there, and they climb up the roof, and then they, they have, like, an axe, and they rip down the roof together, and then they're like, yeah, SEAL Team 6, and they, and they just kind of onbelay their friend to Jesus. This is kind of what we picture. That's not really this, the thing that's going on here. Uh, th- these men, they do have tremendous faith, and they are great friends. Uh, but what's really going on here is that uh, this is a housing structure that can't really support a great roof. And so there's no windows, it's, it's basalt, uh, it's, it's basalt and, and no mortar, and the only type of roof this could support are wooden beams with like pitch uh, and reed and dried mud. Uh, and, and so, yes, they actually climbed upstairs. So there were stairs on the side or stairs in the back, and they walked up these stairs, and then they just moved some of that aside. Okay, so they don't have firemen axes, and they're not chanting with each other, like, you know, getting, you know, pouring Gatorade on each other's head. That's not really what's going on here. They move some of, of the roof aside. It, it is a tremendous faith, uh, but I just want to give us the right, the right picture. Uh, otherwise, for me, if you've ever owned a home, you're thinking of the homeowner here, right? I mean, does anybody ever think about the poor homeowner? Like, I'm glad that you got healed. Great. I'm, I'm happy for your faith. But what about my roof? I don't have insurance. I'm, this is what I'm thinking as a homeowner at some point in my life. That's not what's going on here. These, do, these men do have tremendous faith. They are tremendous friends. And Jesus is impressed by their faith. Next scripture. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Y'all ever notice this? He doesn't, he doesn't say, your body is healed. That's going to be later. But he starts off and says, your, your sins are forgiven. So these friends at least use some of their ancient yoga muscles and they, they, they tag team getting this old bed, this dirty bed with this man on it up, up on the roof and letting him down. They at least mapped out their plan and Jesus doesn't pay attention to that. He doesn't really honor that first. He says, your sins are forgiven. In other words, we're going to talk about two, two types. Of, you, you have two types of people today, right? Just in you. You have an outer immediate man or woman, which is your body, your flesh, your natural, 
and you have an inner eternal man or woman. An inner eternal man or woman. Jesus doesn't pay really much attention to the outer immediate man or woman here. He, he pays real big attention, or it takes precedent that, that the inner eternal man is paid attention to. So brain bookmark that for a second. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they, they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Again, we're not paying attention to the outer immediate. We're talking about the inner eternal here. He says, which is easier? It's harder to forgive sins. He's giving them a Messiah lesson. Weeks ago, we talked about him walking into uh, the temple, uh, and he not only casts out demons, which is an, a Messiah can only do that move, right? He not only preaches with authority, which a Messiah can only do that type move, but he is healing people. Messiah can only do that type move. And he's saying here, like, which, which is easier? I forgave sins. Only Messiah can do that move. Now, Jesus has mercy on this man. I love Jesus' mercy, his compassion, his care, his grace. He's healing people constantly. I'm not saying that God does not care about your body, does not care about the natural, does not care about your current circumstance. What I'm saying is there is a primary blessing in this passage. There's a primary message in this passage. And it has nothing to do with your outer immediate. It has everything to do with your inner eternal. And I think we as a people are so short-sighted. And God is trying to get us focused on what, what matters here. Let's finish up for good measure. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, uh, rise, pick up your bed and walk and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. We never saw anything like this. Uh, Ann and I have a few shows that we watch uh, pretty typically when we don't have strength to do anything else. When we just get down on the bed, uh, we put the kids down at around 7.30, uh, and you would think, oh, we have like fun adult time for like three hours. No, we get down and we're like exhausted. And so we're like, it's over. Um, what do you want to do? You want to talk about life? No, we have no strengths. Let's just watch something, okay? Uh, this is sometimes our life. Uh, and so our shows are typically uh, hospital dramas or This Is Us. Those are our two kind of genres. You know, the shows that rip out your heart, squeeze out all of your emotion, and then put your heart back in. We figure after a long day of job and life and kids squeezing out our emotions, we figure let's just torture ourselves some more, right? I'm being facetious if you don't know what my, my humor is like. And in these shows, there is this thing called the character arc. You guys know what a character arc is? It, it undoubtedly hits me every single time. I don't like, I don't really watch Grey's Anatomy, but I'll use McDreamy as an example, okay? I don't like McDreamy at first. I don't like womanizer guy who's mean to people and is kind of a big meaty head, cotton headed nitty mugging type guy. I'm, I'm a Christian, so I have like Christian swear words, okay? I don't like big meaty blockhead, okay? And so at first, I'm like, I, I don't want anything to do with him. He's the antagonist. And then like four seasons in, all of a sudden, he gets rid of his womanizing ways. He repents of his sins. He's loving people and healing them back to health. He's saving lives. And at some point in season four, you're like, I like McSteamy. Like, what happened? Why did, why did I go from really disliking him to, to I kind of like him now? That's what we call the character arc. It's a writing method. And it has nothing to do with McSteamy's exterior. 
I mean, Steamy's exterior, McDreamy's, whatever his name is. Whatever there, is there two of them? I think there's two of them. All right, yeah, thank you. Someone's like, I'm an expert, okay? Don't talk about my show. Okay, so the exterior is actually, like, they pay them to stay the same. Like, you, you have to keep this weight. You have to keep this exterior, the same beard. Yeah, you have to keep it, right? The interior journey is what is totally different. It's the metamorphosis from antagonist to protagonist. It's the maturation process that happens in this human before your eyes to keep your attention on the show, right? That's what a character arc is. You have a character arc. Same goes for you and me. For some of you, it's, it's an arc. For some of you, it's a slant upward. For some of you, it's a slope downward. But undoubtedly, you have a character journey. What happens to your insides is dependent on how much you love God, how much you give yourself to God. You have a character arc, okay? So uh, some of you will soar toward Jesus. Your inner journey is going to be amazing. Four years from now, people are like, I, I thought they were a big, meanie blockhead, but now they love people, uh, they, they love the, the, their relationships, uh, they're sacrificial, they're humble, they're giving to people, they have good life mission. People are watching you going, something has happened to your name. Something has happened to this person. Sometimes it's so good, the people around you who don't know Jesus are like, what is going on with that person? And you get to tell them, well, it's Jesus living inside of me, and that person actually wants to figure out who Jesus is. Some of you will soar toward Jesus. Some of you, it will be really slow. Because you're prideful, you're stubborn, maybe you're rich in all the areas of life that you want to be rich in. You got plenty. Why do you need Jesus, right? you got everything that you need. Why do you need to be humbled by God? Why, why do you need his provision? you, you got everything you need. Why would you need to learn how to make disciples? Uh, all your relationships are really just the way that you want them. Everything is a piece in your life that you've gathered to the right moment, and you're like, eh, perfect. And so you don't need Jesus. And so your slant upward becomes more of a slope. Or you kind of flatline, since we're talking about hospital dramas. And you don't really grow at all. Here's the sole question. And this is a teaching church. You've heard of a teaching hospital. Again, since we're talking about hospitals, you've heard of a teaching hospital. This is a teaching church. And there's about seven or eight uh, preaching students in this room right now. We talk about this thing called the interrogative question, which is the sole question that we want everybody to answer by the end of the day. Here, Here is the sole level question. What does your character arc look like? What does it look like? Is it slow? Is it fast? Is it good? Do you stumble along the way, but you repent and you find your way and you give your heart to Jesus over and over again? What does it look like? Can you look at the last four years, six years, and go, man, I'm totally different. The way I look at sexuality, money, relationships, church, servanthood, the way I look at people, the way I look at my life is totally different. The way I prioritize my day, my month, my week, my year, all of it is totally different because of Jesus living inside of me. Or is there no change at all? And you know you're in a rut, and you know nothing's changing, and you're wondering, what is the deal? It could be because you're focused on the outward exterior and not the inner eternal. See, Jesus is obsessed here with the inner eternal. That's what he cares about. You just watch the New Testament. 
Keep that in your head. Read the whole New Testament and come back and tell me how many times Jesus only cares. I mean, he cares about the exterior, but he cares fully about the inner eternal that's happening inside of the person that's in front of him. The whole room here, the sermon for the whole room here in Jesus, like the whole house is packed. Jesus' sermon is about the inward eternal. Even the Pharisees, who he doesn't even really like, he pulls out his like weird Jesus spidey sense. Did you catch that? He's like, I know what your heart is saying. They're like, oh, snap. That's, that's, that's some messed up stuff. He knows what their heart is saying. And he's like, your heart is not good. Your heart is asking the wrong questions. Let's go back to see what the character journey, what the character arc should look like. Verse 2, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him the paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and they made an opening. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So, so, so here's what happens in this moment. Maybe you've heard a sermon like this before. We usually take this moment, and we go, you know what the title of the sermon is? Get your friends to Jesus. We've all heard that one. I was tempted to do that one this, this time. Get your friend to Jesus. Break down the door. Fireman pull your friend to Jesus. Whatever it is. And, and that's a good message. It's not a bad message. You should love your friends. It's kind of one of Jesus' major commands. Love your neighbor. Right? Absolutely. But that's living in the metaphorical. This is a historical account. Jesus is not super, super glued to that. What he is glued on is their faith. What he is glued on is their heart. What he is glued on is healing them from their sins. Because that's what really matters. The main blessing is the inner blessing. The main message is the inner message. Um, let, let's, let's see what he does next. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't know anybody in my life that can heal me from my sins. So yes, the friendship message is really important, but really in the end, the only person that can get you to Jesus is him and you and your surrender. See, Jesus here has what we call heart eyes. Did you know that Jesus had, he has heart eyes? He doesn't see things like you and me. Like when I'm on the subway, I can't help, I, somehow everybody just looks down. They're like comatose down, like either on their phone or something. I can't help it. I'm like, oh, look at the Nikes. Huh. That's me. People are like, why are you looking at my shoes? <laughs> You're clearly not a daily commuter. <laughs> like, look at that coat. I like that coat. Oh, no, I can't believe she's going to do that. She's going to do that right there? He's going to do that? You know, that's, that's, this, is, this is my life when I'm sitting. Everybody else is like playing a game on their phone. I'm like, oh, okay. Right? We have, we have these eyes that constantly are zeroing in on the exterior of the human. But Jesus wants nothing to do with, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if you're ugly. He doesn't care what you're weighted. He doesn't care about any of that. I love this moment in the Old Testament. Let's go Old Testament with it for a minute. First Samuel 16, God says, I, I know who I'm going to make king. This is an amazing moment. He tells Samuel, I know who I'm going to make king. I want you to go to this family, and I want you to pick him for me. I'll tell you who he is. And so he goes over there to this family, and there's a bunch of sons. And Eliab is there, and Eliab is strapping. He's a strapping young lad. I mean, he's got muscles, and he's tall. And Samuel goes, surely this must be the king. I mean, Samuel has loved God since Samuel was like four, and he still doesn't get it. He's like, surely this handsome, tall man must be the king. And what does God say to him? First, first Samuel 16, I, I think I put it up there. When they, when they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his side of his stature, stature because I've rejected him. Yikes. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, outward immediate, 
but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesus has heart eyes. Do you have heart eyes? Not just for people. That's important. But do you have heart eyes for yourself? Think about this. What are you after? Inner blessing or outer blessing? Which one? Inner, eternal, or outer immediate? Are you after life results or soul, result, soul results? Inner growth, outer change. Dig in, like, like examine your prayers. What are you after? The evidence lies in your prayers. Do you pray for, uh, God, God, just make my day easier. God, fix my day. God, give me patience. How about that one? It's not a good prayer. It's an okay prayer. It's actually a pretty dangerous prayer because he's going to work on you in patience. Right? It's a dangerous prayer. But the, the, the greater prayer is, God, can you work, what, what, in, me, what in my soul is, is, is not being patient? What in my heart, what in my character is not being patient? Why can't I be patient with people? What is there? God, fix my budget. Not a good prayer. Here's the, here's the prayer. God, how come I don't have faith to give and trust you with my money? That's the prayer. The evidence of, of who you are and what you're after is burrowed beneath your prayers. How about this? Fix my marriage. What you're really praying is fix, fix her. Fix him, right? It's not a good prayer. The prayer is, God, what do I need to repent of? How come I'm not loving my spouse? How come I'm not praying for them, thinking of them, sensitive to them, listening well? What am I doing that, it, that, is, that is not taking our marriage to the next, next level right now? What, what's inside of me? This is inward eternal prayers that you need to think about. What are you praying for? How about this one? God, I need a vacation. How about that one? That's not a great prayer. If you're, if you're just sitting in front of your, your computer screen and you got pictures of Boca Raton constantly, just, and you're just, ha. Ah. You have to go, God, why am I not happy? Why don't I have energy? Why can I not love my coworkers? Why am I not f- finding joy in the mission that you give me? Why am I always concentrating on the, the grass that is greener on the other side? Why is that me right now? There's something going on inside of me that I can't focus. That's the prayer. The evidence of who you are is burrowed in beneath your prayers. It's burrowed in, in, in how you pick a church. Ever think about this? Some of us, and this is why the, the mega church attractional movement is so good. We pick our church on Yelp because it's got five stars for the kids program, five stars for the cushy seats, and five stars for the cafe. Do you think that's outward external or inward eternal? Which one do you think that is? Like, which one is going to really comfort me? Which one? Instead of, God, how can I help a movement? How can I help a movement in a city? God, where, where am I going to grow? God, where am I going to get this character slant to go upward? Where are you going to challenge me? Where am I going to need to step out? These are the prayers. These are the thoughts. Uh, are, are you after the inner eternal or the outward external? The outward immediate. Um, this, this is funny. In the New Testament, people are praying for a sign. A sign is really just the outward exterior, right? It's saying, I want faith, and I want to see it. Like, faith, and I want you to show it to me. Like, I remember when I was young in, in the faith, I go outside, I look at, a, I look at a, a telephone pole. Like, God, you said that if I had faith like a mustard seed, I could move mountains. So I look at the telephone pole. <laughs> you watch way too much X-Men. I'm like, ah. You know? What is that really? What am I really after? I mean, there's something good inside of me that's chasing after faith-filled things. But the other side of me is I just want to see faith. 
This is what Jesus says about faith in the New Testament, people who want a sign. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. Yikes. But no sign will be given to him except the sign of the prophet Jonah, which means he's going to be dead and rise after three days. Right? It's like, Jesus is your sign. What are you after? What's your heart after? Um, This will determine what you look like in however many years, 70 years, 60 years. I want to show you what I think, and I know I always draw graphs, and you're like, Justin, you're the worst drawer on the planet, but I I just, I like it anyway. I like whiteboards. I'm not going to get some cool, like, Mac thing, and I'm going to, like, put it on the screen. I did that at Missional Community. I thought I was cool, but I really wasn't, okay? So so here's here's how I really like to teach. And, And this is what your character slant should look like. So this is your body, all right? And this is your soul. Your inner, eternal, your outward, external. Okay, your outward, immediate. All right? And this is really what your slant should look like. Here's the truth about your body. Your body is going down. It's going down. Physically, mentally, all of it. It's done. You can hold on. I know when you're like 20, you're like, I'm going to be kickboxing yoga champ when I'm 140, right? And you're drinking smoothies. You're like, I got this. Wrong. Like you're 30, you get past 30, 40, you start getting more gray hairs. It's harder to recover. One point you sneeze and you pull a hamstring. You're like, you know what I mean? You ever sneezed and pulled something? I have. I'm just past my 30s. Like it's, it's, we're all going down. Now, this is why it's a little bit of like, at some point you hit a little bit of an up because this is the moment where you're doing like the plank challenge, right? You're getting it back. You're like, yes. For three months, you're at the gym. You're paying $94 for one month, and then you go like once a month. And yes, I'm getting it back, but it's, you're still going down. Something about you is still going down. We call this diaper to diaper, okay? It's just happening. I know it's brash, but if, the point is, are you okay with that? Like, I'm okay with that. I always tell people, my muscles used to smile, now they frown. Right? They used to be perky and excited about life, and now they're like, ah. Oh. You're going to run? Yeah. Sure, that's a good idea. That's, that's my life. That's your life. No matter what, age is coming for you. Are you okay with that? You look in the mirror, you see it. It's slow, but you see it. Age is coming for me. I'm, I'm okay with that. That's the truth of my life. Because this number and this line is much shorter than this line. That line goes on forever, right? And for me, the goal of being 90 years old is not that I would be in the gym still doing pull-ups and all the young people looking at me like, wow, look at that 90-year-old doing pull-ups. That's not my goal. I've seen them on YouTube. That's great. It's it's an okay goal. But my goal at being 90 years old is that I would be a spiritual monster, like a straight-up monster, that I would have planted lots of churches. I would disciple lots of people that people would look at my marriage and go, look at how cute they are. They're, they still take walks on the beach together. They still hold hands. They share life deeper than they've ever shared it before. That's my goal at 90 years old. My goal at 90 years old is that people look at him and like, man, that man has read the Bible 45 times. That word is in that man's heart. Will you disciple me? That's what I want. But you can take my body. You can take it. Everything about me is dying except Jesus in me. You catch that? 
Everything about me is dying except Jesus in me. Jesus is becoming more and more alive every single day inside of my soul. That's why there's a little bit of flat line. Sometimes I go down a little bit. But I'm always going to recover because I'm always going to humble myself before God. I'm always going to repent and I'm always going to climb toward Jesus. And at the end of my life, if I make it to 90, that'd be fantastic, God. At the end of my life, I'll be ready for death. I'll be like, when do I get to see Jesus? Because I might be in diapers at that point. I'm like, when do I? I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm ready to see Jesus. Right? I'm ready. Because I love God. I know who I am in him. I know who my wife and my kids are. We, we've made it. We've run the race. We persevered. And now we love Jesus more than ever. Take me, please. That's the goal of all this, is the inward eternal. And I think we just get really short-sighted. I think we look at the Gospels. I think we look at our life. I think we look at the American dream. We get really short-sighted, and we start to just look at, man, can, can I just fix this outward external thing? And that's what we focus on. So what's your, what's your slant look like? Is it, is it more of a slope? This is 1 Peter 1. Uh, since you've been born again, <laughs> you know, people are going to climb in the, in the tub today. And what they're saying is, I'm, I'm a brand new person in Christ. This is who I am. My, my start is now different. Since you've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable. Now i got a different seed. Through the living and, a, and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass. It's all dying. I'm not making this up. All flesh is like grass, and it's glory like the flower of the grass. Looks good for a while, and it dies. The grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. The people getting into the tub today are, are admitting that and they're saying, I want to water this. I want to care about this. The imperishable seed that lives inside of me. That's, that's what these people are saying. I want to I talk about the stuff that lasts forever. Now, this is not like a go home and eat potato chip type sermon. You're like, it's over anyways. <laughs> Just give me the potato chips and the ice cream. I'm not, I'm not saying, and again, I'm not saying that God does not care about your exterior and your immediate pains. Of course he cares about that. And of course we believe that Jesus is alive and heals today. But what I am saying is there's a primary message in this message, in this passage, and it's that God is obsessed with the inner eternal side of you because that is much longer than that. And this is just a blip on the radar compared to everything else. How about you? Now, these, these people in this, in this passage, they go through this journey, and Jesus points out two things that help them along their journey. And the first thing is their faith. And he, he points out their faith immediately. I, I love these men's faith, is what he said. I love what they got, and so I'm, I'm going to reward their faith. And, and so I was kind of going through a journey myself this week and looking for, like, what, what is, what's the photosynthesis of faith? Like, what, what grows faith? And for me, one word came to mind, and it's risk. Now, God is the one who rewards your risk. Like, if you step out on the edge, and you step over, and you give yourself to that risk, that faith-filled risk, he's the one that catches you. That's what really grows your faith. But, but you have to take that risk first, right? You have to take that risk. Risk is what grows your faith. So my question to you is, when was the last time you took a faith-filled risk for Jesus? Not, not just a risk. Don't jump out of a plane. That's just dumb. But I'm talking about a faith-filled risk. When was the last time you did it? Some of you, some of you did it today. Huh? Some of you came here to church for the first time. You're like, I do not want to meet a bunch of new people 
I saw some gal, we were out there, four, four burly looking men. This poor gal walks in, she's like, it's my first time. I'm like, oh man, we, we're out there looking like a gym or something. Like, please, I mean, it's not easy to walk into a church. I walked into a mega church like five weeks ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. There's so many people, there's so many things. Everyone's like, hey, I'm like, oh, please. I just want coffee in a corner, please. It's not easy. So it was your faith-filled risk to come to church today. God is going to show you how much he loves that risk. He's going to reward you with community, with love, with grace, with his word, with his spirit. What is it for you? Maybe it's joining missional community. Maybe God hasn't been asking you to disciple someone. He's been asking you to have that conversation. Hey, I want to disciple you, but that, that's the risk for you because sometimes you put yourself out there and it doesn't come back all the time. But God rewards you in a different way. I asked some dude to disciple, disciple me recently and he basically said no. He said, I'll give you, I'll, you, we can do this monthly in a group of men, but I'm not discipling just you. I'm like, okay. That's okay. I'm not hurt by that. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> but that was me taking a faithful risk. When was the last time you took a faithful risk? That's what giving is. Giving is the most tangible form of faithful risk. You're saying, God, I give you money. I'm trusting that you are going to put food on the table and keep a roof over my head. Some of you is baptism. Some of you are going to step in, a, maybe, maybe it's, it, you know, Car- Carlin steps in the top. Carlin has told me, I'm not really a huge extrovert, okay? Uh, and yet he's going to talk about his faith in front of people. Because what he's saying is, I want, to, I want to take this risk in front of you. I love that. God is in love with that faith-filled risk. He is so pleased. So pleased. With you, bro. Yeah, that's right. God is pleased. Some of you need to walk across the aisle and just pray for somebody today. What is it? Because here's how you can look at, here's another graph. Because I love graphs today. Okay? Here's another graph. Uh, this is incline. This is your faith. This is recline. And what do you think of when we say recline? I think of a recliner. I used to have one of those. It's all too trendy now. You can't have a recliner because it looks ugly in your living room. I just want that old recliner where it's like, and you're like, wow, I almost died, but it was good. So that, that's a recliner. That's what I think of, right? I think of laying back and chilling, all right? And then this is decline, all right? This is when you give your life to Christ. You give your life to Christ at a conference, and you're kicking things out of the way. You're like, I'm kicking Satan out of the way. I love Jesus. I'm going to church 45 times a week. You all remember that, point, that moment in your faith. It's good. You're in the incline. You're climbing. You're climbing. And then the American dream gets a hold of you. Other things get a hold of you. Like idols of your heart get a hold of you. And then you start chilling. And you just start looking for things that feed your comfort. And all of a sudden, you're reclining. All of a sudden, you're like, how come I'm not alive in Christ anymore? I'm just kind of chilling. I'm happy. I got everything I need, and I got my get-out-of-hell-free card, so I'm pretty okay, but you're really dying inside. Really, recline is just the beginning of decline. Just the beginning. The only way to get back to incline is faith-filled risk. Take a risk for Jesus. Last one. Last way to get get this slope heading upward. Because if you're like me, I just want it to go upward. Jesus says to them, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. About 17 times a year, I'm amazed at my pride. Does anybody else's pride just surprise them? (laughs) And you're sitting somewhere and you're like, man, do I stink. Man, am I prideful. 
because for some reason, I don't think I have any of these big ones. I'm like, I don't really got any big ones, so I'm okay. And then God reveals to me, son, look at all the stuff that is beneath the surface. And I need to, if, if, I, if I want this, I need to repent of those sins. If I want that. We always tell our marriages in the room, uh, the, the healthiest marriages are the ones that repent early and often. When was the last time you repented, like really repented? None of the big things, like, oh, I drank too much last night. Repent. I'm talking about the, the stuff really burrowed. Like, why did I treat that person that way? The stuff that's, that's really burrowed underneath the ground. When was the last time you repented of that? That's when you get back to incline. I want our slopes to be amazing. I want them to be upward. And for you, maybe you're at a crossroads. And you're like, I, I want it to go upward too. I think these are two of the ways. Like maybe, you, maybe you've never climbed in the tub. You want to shock? Get, get in front of people today, downstairs today, and just go, uh, I want to get baptized. Here's why Jesus changed my life. That'll shock the system. Maybe you're at a crossroads. You're, you've been reclining for years. What risk are you going to take? What, what sin are you going to repent of? Today's the day. Let's pray. Worship team, come up here. And, and Jeremy and um, Lulu, can you somehow help me with this? Don't take it down the stairs. Just get it. <laughs> Last time we tried to take it down the stairs and someone almost died. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we want our character slant to be steep and upwards. We want to grow in you, and we want people to see in one year, two year, three years, three years, how, how really deeply we've grown, how, how high we've grown, how more like you we are. God, thank you for the people that are climbing in the tub today who have said, I'm born again. I'm brand new in Jesus, and I want to grow more like him every single day. Thank you for their hearts for their boldness, for their risk. I pray that you would reward their risk. If there's someone in the room right now who knows that they need to get baptized but they're worried about clothes or they're worried about hair, I pray that you would minister to them and they would no longer be worried about that but they would be worried about the inward eternal. They wouldn't be worried about the outward external. They would be worried about the inward eternal. God, focus us. Give us hard eyes. Don't make us short-sighted. Help us be long-sighted, eternally sighted. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship. Amen.